You're listening to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. So, all right, as we celebrate Mother's Day today, we are studying a character in the Old Testament who was known because of her child who grew up to be a great man. And, you know, some people get known in relation to their children or because they are the parent of so-and-so. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, our focus character became known as the mother of Moses and Aaron and actually Miriam. In the title of our message this morning, if you are into titles, is Beauty and Strength, okay? Beauty and Strength. So if you have a Bible, uh, kindly open it to Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for Exodus, Exodus comes after Genesis, and Genesis comes after the table of contents, okay? So we'll be reading from uh, Exodus chapter 2, beginning from uh, verse 1 to 10. I'll be reading from the NIV version this morning, okay, if you don't mind. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Then she saw that he was a fine child. She hid him for three months, but when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. And his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw that the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. And this is one of the Hebrew babies, he said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered, and the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she became her son, and she named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all the moms who are watching today. For all of us who are watching as well, our family gathered around our homes. I thank Lord God that your grace is always sufficient for us. I pray that you bless every mom, refresh them today, Lord. And I pray that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better as we study your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, Joshabed or Jacobed, if I may say that, it means glory of Jehovah or Jehovah is our glory. And it seems that that much is said about her in the verse that we have just read. But we will find out that she was an ordinary woman, extraordinary woman rather. She's an extraordinary mom. She raised up someone who delivered uh, the people of God from Egypt. And Exodus chapter 1 and 2 gives us a background of the infancy of Moses. And here we see that the Pharaoh wanted to stop the Israelites from spreading out in the whole land. And he made them slaves over them. He actually... uh, will have uh, slave masters on top of them. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. He also spoke to the midwives and said that you are to kill every Hebrew baby boy that's born. But the midwives feared God. And so they did not obey the king. And so thirdly, what he did was he commanded the people and made an edict or a commandment and said that every baby Hebrew boy is to be thrown into the Nile River. It was a tense moment for the Jews. And it was, you know... Uh, that time also has reminded, uh, reminded me of the time of Jesus when King Herod actually ordered the killing of boys two years old and below. 
I remember Pastor Jim Lafon saying years ago, what the enemy fears is not what we are doing, but what we are capable of birthing. Our next generation, they are in our homes right now. And you look at them, they're getting ready for their time of deployment. I believe that we are called to raise up a generation that will be even better than our current generation. And the enemy hates it. When we raise up godly children who will do damage in the kingdom of darkness, he's after our descendants. But we should not fear. We need to respond in faith. The Bible says that our descendants will be mighty in the land. And our enemy wants to steal our dreams and our vision for them. You know, I was telling my three girls over dinner a couple of weeks ago that our generation, this current generation, was known for the Ed's Revolution, the bloodless revolution in the 80s that changed our government leaders, but this current generation, the young ones, will be known as the generation who went through the corona pandemic, coronavirus pandemic, and the global recession, and they have overcame. I believe that God is preparing this generation to do great things for His kingdom. We need to pray for them. We need to speak faith to them, and we need to mentor them. Let's look at this, the story of this woman who was able to raise up a mighty man and three things we want to focus on the life of Jochebed. And these are as follows, her family, her fears, and her faith. Now, first, let's look at her family. Maybe you're not aware of this fact. Jochebed or Jochebed married her nephew Amram. You see that in Exodus chapter 6, verse 20. Amram married his father's sister's sister Jochebed. Maybe some of you were shocked a little bit with that, but because they married their relatives, but... You've got to remember that before the time of the law of Moses was given, it was not a big deal for someone to marry among their relatives because we all trace our human ancestry to Adam and Eve anyway. So technically, they were all relatives. We call that contact tracing, by the way. Both Amram and Josheved belong to the house of Levi, the inventor of genes. No, just kidding. This is the family line where the Levitical priests come from. We will notice that not much has been said about Jacobed in our text in Exodus, but we can say that she was raised up in a godly home. This was a godly woman raised up in a godly home. That's why it is so important to have godly influences in our life. Mothers, you have such a wonderful opportunity to influence your children while they are in your home, eating from your ref right now, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 6 says this, These commandments that I give you today are to be in your hearts. Impress them on your children. Write them. Talk, or sorry, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you uh, lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols in your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You know, uh, such an interesting uh, command and a clear picture of how we need to teach our children the Word of God that we are not just to teach them on appointment time, but every time. Dinner time, wake-up time, travel time, we are to impress upon them the Word of God and every opportunity that we have. And I know that ultimately our children will make their own decision about their faith. But while they're young, they're like wet cement and they're ready to be molded before they dry up and become hardened. So let us be their godly influence while they're young. Secondly, we are to look at Jacobed's fears. I'm sure that we can identify with their fears, especially during this time of uh, COVID and the quarantine. And can you imagine Jacobed as a mother and being pregnant and expecting a child when this edict or this commandment from the king comes down and she received the news about 
the law that was passed. And if you have a girl, that would be legal. But when you have a boy, it's against the king's order or command. And that baby boy has to be killed. What a cruel law. What a one-sided law. Not, not good to be a boy during that time. And in those days, they did not have ultrasound. So you wouldn't know if your baby would be a boy or a girl. Uh, do you suspect that maybe Amram, the husband, and Jacobed, the, the, the wife, are praying that they would have a girl so that she doesn't have to be given up uh, to die? And if you're a mother, can you imagine with me the feeling, the feeling of, of Jacobed while going through this first trimester, or maybe the second trimester? Can you imagine the third trimester about to, be, to give birth? You know, normally having a baby would be or should be a wonderful experience. And having a baby boy is celebratory among the Hebrews. But can you tell when a woman is pregnant, maybe yes or no. And if you're always with that person, maybe you can tell that there are physical changes in her body. But sometimes it's really difficult to tell if a woman is pregnant. But let me give you a tip. Don't ever go up to a woman and ask her, are you pregnant? Okay, no, no, no. Because if she's not, then it is very offensive, not a good thing to do. She might respond, I've already given birth three years ago. Or maybe I just had a big breakfast, okay? So that's a little bit awkward. So don't ever ask a woman if she is pregnant. But I think you can tell if a person is about eight to nine months pregnant, uh, but just don't say anything about that. So in the case of Jacobed, people uh, are probably aware that she is pregnant. And they know about the king's command. And can you imagine the pressure? And maybe the concern, the fear that is in the heart of the mother. Maybe even some Egyptians are watching her. And they know that she is pregnant. And they would like to find out if she's having a boy or a girl. But what do you think is Jacobed feeling during her pregnancy? Maybe she's worried and has some motherly fears for her child, for the uncertainty of the future. Now, there is a dimension of motherly fear, and I can't really relate to that, but uh, it's some quite, quite unique to moms, whenever, whether humans or animals. They tend to be overprotective in nature and will do everything they can to secure their young. And it's built in their nature to, to respond, to protect, kind of like a bear robbed of her cubs. She will kill just to protect them. I just want to tell you that it's okay to have some fears as long as you will not give in to it. Don't get trapped by the fears. Fear can be a motivation for survival or even creativity. And maybe some of you have some form of fear. Or maybe you will say, Pastor, I don't have fear. I'm a Christian. I'm full of faith. Oh, oh, really? So is that the reason why you lock your doors at night? Because you don't fear of being robbed. It's just a good habit before you sleep. Or is it the reason why you wear a face mask? Because you don't fear getting the virus. You know, I say this because it's good to acknowledge your fear as long as you're not controlled by it. In fact, real courage is not the absence of fear, but the mastery of fear. You know, when Moses was finally born, how do you think the mother responded? Yeah, hey, but OMG, it's a boy. Uh, maybe a bit of fear, but it mixed with great joy because she saw baby Moses. In fact, in verse 2, it says, when she saw him, he was beautiful. That's the NISB uh, version. What a description. Now I have seen so many babies in our church. Shirley and I had four babies, no longer babies. Uh, but can we say that all babies are beautiful? To the mother's eyes, they are the most beautiful baby in the world. I, I would agree with that. But let's look at the other different translations of the verse 2. In the NASB, as I said earlier, 
when she saw him, he was beautiful. In the ESV, it says, when she saw him, he was a fine child. In the message, she saw that there was something special about him. In King James, it says that when she saw him, he was a godly child. Now, when you look at the baby, can you actually say that that baby is a godly child? I mean, do you see a halo on the baby? Or do you see him looking like Jesus? Is there any holy mark that we're looking for? That you can actually say that this child is a godly child. But the truth is Moses was probably like most babies. He looks normal on the outside. He'd probably cry when he's hungry or he needs a nappy change. But the author put there godly or beautiful. And what it really means is best and bountiful and cheerful and prosperous. And Bible scholars are saying that what this really means is when she looked at the baby, she saw something different. He was unique. He was special. And I want to ask you, mom or even dads today, what do you see in your children? Do you see destiny and potential in them? You know, I believe that our children are destined for greatness. They will be mighty in the land and this nation will be a better place to live in because of them. And this leads us to the third point, her faith, Jochebed's faith. Now, this is where Jochebed shines the most. The only way that Jochebed or Josebed, if you want to say it that way, was able to overcome her fear was through her faith. Now, what is faith? Hebrews 11 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the certainty of things not seen. But a more simple definition is this. Faith is trusting in what you cannot see and what you cannot understand. We're logical and sensible people. And we always want to check on the facts before we do something. Now, during this pandemic... We are always checking the facts and we would make decisions based on what we see and what we perceive and what we understand. Now, I'm not saying that this is bad. Checking the facts, in fact, is a prudent move. But sometimes we miss out on what God wants to do if we always stick to the facts. Now, know the facts, but stick to God and trust in Him. Because faith is trusting in what you cannot see and what you cannot understand. You know, in, in Africa, there's a, a small animal, medium-sized medium animal, sorry, called the impala. And they say that the impala can jump with a single leap to a height of 10 feet and to a distance of about 30 feet. Now, that is a big jump for such a small animal. You'll probably see that on the screen. But what is also interesting about the impala is that it can be placed in a zoo with a three-foot fence and it will not escape. Why is that? If he can actually jump a height of about 10 feet in 30 feet distance. Well, it is said that the impala will never jump if he cannot see where its feet will land. How many of us are like the impala? That we will only do things when we understand or when we see it. During this pandemic or quarantine, there's a lot of things that you and I cannot see. We cannot see the future. We're going to make decisions based on our trust and our belief in God. I hope that we will not just make decisions on what we see, but let's continue to look at God because He is our shepherd who provides for us, who guides us. We may not see the future clearly, but God already is there clearing things for us. We may not know what the future holds, but we can, we can trust Him who holds our future. Now, when you talk about faith, it is trusting in what we cannot see. Hebrews 11.23 says also that by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they, were, they saw that he was not an ordinary child. They were not afraid of the king's edict. And the author of Hebrews included the parents of Moses, not just Jacobet, but even Amram in the hall of faith. 
By faith, they hid Moses. They were not afraid of what will happen, of the consequences of their actions in disobeying the king. Can you imagine? They could actually be arrested or even killed because of this disobedience. Now, if you had a baby, you know that babies cry a lot and make noise, and sometimes it would be hard to make them stop. And baby Moses probably had those moments. And the parents would try to calm him down and, you know, uh, not to draw so much attraction or attention, rather, uh, with the Egyptian soldiers. Kind of like the movie, The Quiet Place. You know, you got to be silent. And, you know, this, this couple is trying to make the baby stop crying. You know, but back to uh, Amram and Jacobet, they had faith to believe that this child had a destiny in God. They had faith to believe that God will be the one to protect the baby. After three months, it came to a point in which she had to let the baby go. But the, she didn't throw Moses out. Jacobed instead made a papyrus basket and put the baby in it and let him go on the River Nile. Another act of faith was the building of the basket to place the baby in. Now, it is interesting to note that the Hebrew term for the basket is also the same word used for Noah's Ark. When God wanted to save Noah and his family from the great flood, and you're all familiar with that, he told Noah exactly how to build the ark and make it watertight. And God gave wisdom to Jacobed to build a miniature version of the ark. And it's interesting that I believe that that is for the saving of lives. That's a significant uh, picture of that. Another amazing thing about the parents of Moses is this. They looked to him. Uh, sorry, they took him to a, a very, uh, to the very spot that anyone in his right mind will never go, the River Nile, the very place where the baby boys are being cast and drowned. And the mother laid him among the reeds, the Bible says, in the bank of the Nile. Now talk about great faith. Just like God watching over the ark during the flood, I believe God watched over the basket to save the life of baby Moses. And I believe that God was highly involved in this story. It was not just about Jacobed or her story. It was his story. As the mother placed the basket among the reeds, he made sure, God, that the princess will come out to bathe. And the rest was history. She saw the baby. She took pity and wanted to adopt the baby so that he was given the opportunity to somehow grow up in the palace and have great influence in the future. And upon Miriam's recommendation, you know, if you recall, when we've read, Miriam was watching the baby or the, the basket, and she, she told the princess, would you like me to get a, a Hebrew uh, woman to take care of her? And the princess said, yes, I'm going to pay her for her yaya skills. It's interesting that God even made a provision during this time of crisis. And I believe that God will make a way for to provide for what we need during this time of crisis. God was not just watching over Moses. He was also watching over Jacobin. Let us be willing to trust God in the midst of this uncertain times. You know, it takes a tremendous amount of faith and courage to put God in, in God's hands what we value the most. It takes a great, tremendous amount of courage and faith to put in God's hand what we value the most. Now, you might be in the place of Jacobet this morning, and there are fears and concerns and apprehensions that you're facing. Maybe it's your health, or maybe it's your relationships. 
maybe even marriage on the line. It may be a concern with one of your children. It may be your business, or it may be your job, or it may actually be your future. And you have done everything that you can do to help in the situation. But I believe God might be saying to you now, build an ark and turn it over to me. And I'm going to handle it from this point on. Let me encourage you. Let go and put it in the hands of God and he will take care of things. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for our time this morning. Thank you, Lord, once again for every mom that is listening to this. I thank you for their love and their concern for every child that they have. I thank you for the faith to believe, the picture for the future. I thank you that you will continue to allow them to have the strength uh, to move on in the beauty, uh, to see the beauty in their children, God. Lord, I also pray for those who are concerned about many things, Lord. I know that we have, we might have a lot of fears, Lord, even right now. I pray, God, that you would, Lord, help us to master our fear. Help us to, uh, Lord, just put our complete faith and trust in you during this time. Whether it's a sickness, whether it's provision, whether it's our anxieties, Lord, or our concern about our future, we just put them into your hands, God. And I thank you, Lord, that as we transfer the burden to you, as we put our cares upon you, Lord, Lord, the Bible says that you care for us and that you will carry this weight from us. And so, Lord, I pray, God, even for miracles. I pray for restoration. I pray for healing. I pray for provision. I pray, God, that you would restore and strengthen relationships, God. I even pray, God, for children to be raised up, Lord, even during this time, that they will have a sense of purpose, knowing full well that this crisis is actually molding them for a big future ahead of them. And so, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends, too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalabang.church.